what I mean by get educated is know who you can rely on to help you with that, to jumpstart the business, but also get better educated around the premise of your idea. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great uh, expert episode, and we have Aaron Black, or Aaron Back. I always want to say Aaron Black, but Aaron Back. I get that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no worries. Yep. And uh, just as a quick introduction to a little bit of what we're talking about, we're going to talk about probably a whole bunch of fun things, but anywhere from automation and AI and how it's impacting small businesses to, um, you know, looking at the different information, how it should be viewed, whether you're a small business versus enterprise, um, to viewing things differently as or based on the your size of your business and the role in the business, to getting involved with the, the network community around you and surrounding yourself with peers and mentors that will offset your abilities maybe even a little bit of low code or no code and uh, we'll go from there and have a good conversation so with that much as an introduction welcome on the podcast Aaron. Thank you so much for having me here Devin it's a pleasure to be chatting with you and uh, like you teed up there I'm Aaron Back. Uh, I'm currently a senior analyst for Acceleration Economy Network uh, and also Dynamic Communities uh, one of the founding analysts for our Acceleration Economy uh, Global Analyst uh, Network that we have uh, recently just started uh, that whole group, so excited to be part of that journey. Uh, and like Devin, I'm also a podcaster and have had a lot of great guests on and uh, look forward to the conversation today all around these various topics you've already hit on. All right, awesome. Well, that was a great introduction and excited to have a good chat. So without any further ado, let's dive into uh, a bit of the various areas of expertise and uh, and, uh, have a good conversation there. So one that is always a bit near and dear to my heart, at least on the automation side, I always have a Mm -hmm. love, hate. I don't know, love, hate sounds worse than it is. Love, hate relationship (laughs) though with AI, more so because I always work with the, on the patent side and everybody wants to say they have an AI system or a machine learning. And half of the time, it's just a decision. It's a simple decision tree. And that's really about it. And then I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't really seem to be AI. So I always, I'm slightly tainted with AI just because I think that there's a lot of good things about it, but it is a way overly used term or or misused Mm -hmm. term. But with that, you know, so give us a bit of an idea, you know, especially when you're talking about small businesses, how has automation and AI impacted small businesses? How can they maybe leverage it and utilize it? And what should they be thinking about? Yeah, I think you, you hit on a, a couple of good points there is that there is a different differentiation between AI and automation. A lot of times those are coupled together in a lot of phrases, but they are two separate things. And uh, so something to note is that, Artificial intelligence, while we're still, I think, currently, I think we're still on the, just the tip of where we could head with things. Um, there's so much more to explore with AI. And something to note, too, is that that something recently that's uh, surfaced that I've noticed is there's these AI clouds available now. Uh, you've seen, heard of data clouds, uh, I'm sure, for a couple of years or so now. They've been out. But these AI clouds are now this sort of full suite of capabilities and in security and so forth to help folks make sense of 
how can I best use AI? So it has all that capability there in these AI clouds, but that's a lot of times out of reach for a lot of small companies. Those typically scream, you know, enterprise or, you know, very large sort of mid-market companies. But when it comes to the small and medium-sized businesses, um, AI usually it falls into the realm of let's start small and simple and let's see what we can utilize it for, if it makes sense for us to even use it. Uh, a couple of great areas I've seen uh, AI used, and it is kind of a, uh, a bleed over into the automation area, but uh, is the chatbots capabilities. I mean, we've all used chatbots on apps, on websites, you know, just to interact. It's a great tool for customer service teams. And it also can help, uh, you know, mitigate the need for extra headcount within your company if, if you're already stretched to the max with, as a small company, a lot of people wearing many hats don't have a lot of time. So sometimes yeah. this... I'm going to Go jump ahead. in just because mm-hmm. it's a area where it's kind of that bittersweet. And on the one mm-hmm. hand, from a business owner, yes, they're automated or chatbots and kind of the AI type of a thing is helpful to offset or reduce. And I can, you know, get more information. So if we do or want to talk mm-hmm. with them or if we do or pick it up live or otherwise schedule a time, I have more insight as to what their problem is. As a consumer, I hate chatbots <laughs> or I hate the <laughs> chatbots that you have to, you know, give this information and then they try and have you go through the learning library. And then if mm-hmm. it's not in the learning library, they ask you five more questions or try and not give you to any human contact. And if you finally make it all the way through human contact, half the time it's still the wrong person or they say, send us an email or we'll reach out to you. And it goes into the Netherlands mm-hmm. and you never see it again. So right. with that, you know, I'll push back or I'll ask the question. I don't know, push back, but mm-hmm. ask the question is, I think there is a room to incorporate that into, um, into what, you know, small businesses and startups are doing, but is there a, what is the better way to incorporate it? Or in other words, how do, how do they realistically incorporate AI and automation and chatbots and those things into their business such that it, it improves it and makes it better rather than make it a hindrance for their customers? Well, a lot of times I think where you're running into issues is is where you're seeing um, uh, companies stand these up, but they don't revisit when they're getting feedback of, did this you know solve your issue? Did you get your question answered? Did you find what you were looking for? That type of thing. Yes, that sometimes you get those in chat box, you know, at the end. Hey, did you get what you were looking for? But they don't follow up. There's no uh, sort of reevaluation of what's going on, what's working, what's not working. And so therefore you're leaving people frustrated. They go elsewhere. They, they search for an email or a phone number to call up somebody. Uh, so I, you I'm need raising a, my head to that one. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, and that leads to, again, to further frustration versus further helping. It's almost like counteracting what your intended goal was of to help, you know, mitigate a ton of time, taken up by somebody, say, customer service, for example, on the phone, going through these typical questions you have to always ask, you know, to get to the root of like, who are you? Why are you inquiring about XYZ? Or what is your issue? Um, And, you know, if there was a better method and improvement on that, I think we'd get uh, more traction out of use. And And that's just one simple scenario I just mentioned is this chatbot's Typically, you see that in, um, in um, you know, for small companies, medium-sized companies to try to help, you know, offset that. But I get you. 
it can be a frustration <laughs> for so, many. So, so now I'm going to pitch one of the ideas, and I do have a patent pending on it, so just in case anybody wants to steal my idea, but I probably never will. But I always, here's my pitch to you, or to, and, and, and then we'll get on to the real topic, just a complete aside, is my thought is that their solution has always been almost a Uber for customer service. In other words, you know, you have Uber that you can get people on demand that are drivers on demand. Why not for a lot of businesses get it to where it? you find people that have free time that are relative experts. So let's say as an example, you love, you're an iPhone user, you know, everything about your iPhone, you're, you know, an iPhone geek, and you could walk people through how to do just about anything on the iPhone. And, but you have some free time. My idea has always been, you have an app where as you need customer service, it connect or if, as that person's available, they log on to the app showing their availability. And then as the customer service questions come up, you just connect them up with it. So you just, you don't have mm-hmm. to have people waiting. You don't have to have the staff, you don't have to do it, but it gives you that live and customer service. And then you can have a ranking and rating aspect so that if they do a terrible job of interacting with the clients, they're quickly put out of the system. But that was always my mm-hmm. solution that I still think it would make sense. And someday I'm going to implement it, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just to piggyback on that, I, th- I think that for one, I th- it's a pretty cool idea. And the other, the other though, I, maybe play a little devil's advocate if I could, could <laughs> is that, uh, is that, uh, you know, is it, the consistency factor, uh, especially with say tech support. Uh, mm-hmm. You may talk to somebody that, that didn't work. You get the next available person and they'll tell you something completely different. Uh, now, you may have experienced that already with the official tech support with folks, but at least <laughs> well, there's some consistency behind I know, it. I, I they like have, the uh, now I have actually yeah. technically, and then we're going to get back to the topic. Ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> but my, my thought was always you basically you'd have a first level. These are the individuals that can answer. It's always that kind of that 90% of the time people can answer the questions and you really need the mm. tech percent or tech support that really know the ins and outs that 10%. So 90% mm-hmm. of the time they can help them. And then you have a much smaller subset of what is the company's tech support. Mm. They can address those issues. In other words, you get rid of 90%. You don't have to mm-hmm. have the, you don't have to have your own support system you don't have to do it you're paying it on demand and you're only doing it when you need it and you address 90 percent. and then for those that really are the exception to the rule then you bubble it up so to speak so that would be my solution yeah. i always think it's a great idea someday i'm yeah. gonna build it but it's well yeah, hey but in hurt put the put the fillers out see how to float you know uh get some right. i'll help you test it i mean hey right. <laughs> we'll, we'll be uh, doing it someday so now i'm gonna yeah. bring it back to the area of expertise now that i've yeah. derailed the conversation but i had a fun time doing no, it's that. all good it's all good but one of the other questions or things that we talked about was a little bit of you know difficulty with your as a business owner, and this is really all sizes of businesses, but you hit with a lot of inform. You can be hit with a lot of information if you get into it. You can, you know, everything from how long dwell time on websites to reoccurring revenue to how often they purchase. Do they upsell? Do they not? You know, mm-hmm. where are they located? And and that's just the very tip of the iceberg. And you can get into a lot more. And what is difficult is to how to view those that different information based on your business, based on your role, based on every or the size of the business mm-hmm. and everything else. So if you're to maybe talk to us a little bit about how do we view information, how do we gather information? How do we view it? Whether we figure out what it means or should we just not worry about it all and just go about our lives as if it's not there? <laughs> just kind of float along and hope for the best. Uh, yeah, throw, a, throw a dart at a dartboard with our eyes shut. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I think there's kind of two big, buckets, if you will, when you're looking for information. One is the, I need to 
better understand a topic or a theme. I I hear about it. I've seen it, say, through the news or through posts, but haven't really dug into it to see what it really means. And to further that point, what does it really mean to my role? Because you touched on that, you know, a, a bit. You know, what does it mean to my role? Because uh, typically we see in a lot of organizations, there's four key personas that are in pretty much any organization. There's your your financial folks, you got your technology folks, operations folks, and then you have various lines of business. Um, and under a line of business person, that could still be a CEO, CMO, a, a VP of a uh, subset of your organization, uh, if you're a very large company. So you got to understand what does this contextually mean to my role, my persona, what I do. Uh, and now that I have a full understanding, this can help me have a collaborative conversation with my peers to say, okay, how can we best tackle if we want to use this? Do we want to invest in it as a technology such as automation, AI, what have you? Does it make sense to do it now or down the road? Where can we best apply it? Uh, the other is now that we have something in place, how do we can pull back all that data? Like you mentioned, you mentioned these a lot of these different data points that these are way down in the weeds, the details, and make sense of those and surface that. Uh, typically, what I say is is most helpful is to have some sort of business intelligence tool in place to help you make sense of that, but really help you tell the story with the data, as I put it. Um, there's a lot of great tools out there. Many you've probably heard of, like uh, Microsoft's Power BI, or there's Tableau. And there's quite a few others out there. Those are the top big ones, players out there. Um, but to consume that data, and something very important about consuming data is make sure you're not so narrowing your scope that you're missing some periphery data that could really impact a decision. And what I mean by that is in your persona, a lot of times, say, a CFO looking at, say, financial data, but it's important to look at the periphery data of of what is customers uh, saying, the sentiment that's going on, what's happening over in sales and the impact to um, customers and what does the uh, funnel look like that's going to be downstream eventually impacting our bottom line. So you got to hit all these periphery information to consume it and say, okay, based on where we're located, we're a local company, but we hit surrounding regions because we're small, but we want to expand. Where does it it makes sense to expand. Well, we're doing well with this product line. Maybe we can expand a single product line in a new market to test the waters. How well has that performed over time? So when you're be able to tell the story with the data, like with an interactive visualization dashboard, you can click through and say, oh, this region's doing really well that we already service. And what are the best-selling products that we've got? What type of customers do we have? You can drill into that and get that subset of data so if you're looking to expand and grow your business, or we're not doing the opposite, maybe there's certain products that aren't doing well, certain regions that we're not selling, maybe we need to pull back so we can you know, recalibrate our resources, so to speak, and maybe focus on a different strategy. So it's important to get a summarization because some people get lost in the details, like you highlighted mm. this point, this point, this point, and you get spreadsheet overload, or you get what I call analysis paralysis. Overanalyzing versus, okay, let's take a step back. Let's review the data from high level, summarize, and then slowly peel back the, the layers, kind of like an onion to get to the root of what we're looking at. No, and I think that, you know, I think that that is the, the biggest issue with, you know, data and everybody, you know, I always watch the shows and look at the business things and it's <laughs> data, data, data. And there is mm -hmm. definitely a lot of value to data 
one of my favorite and it's kind of floating around on LinkedIn. So I don't like a lot mm-hmm. of the social media platforms, but I am a big LinkedIn user and right. I love LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and one yep. of the one of the ones that recently the, the post and this one that I think it gets per, or people repost it and do it as their own, even though it's not their own. But it's the idea of the Lego and you have the pile of the Legos and it's, you know, it's, oh, if you yeah. have this pile, it's unbuilt Legos and it's all in one big pile. There's kind of your data. And then you organize each of them by color. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's organized data, but it really doesn't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, you know, put it into bigger piles and kind of build like walls. And, you know, they don't put really put it together. And that's, you know, the next level of Stata. And then you actually build the whole house and it talks about the story of the data. And that's mm-hmm. where it becomes valuable, right? It does, and if you have all the data and you don't have it put together and you don't tell that story of what the data means, having the data doesn't do you anything. So I always, I, mm-hmm. I always kind of repl- or go back, point back to that as what, which what the, whatever place you have within your business, whatever your role is, whatever your size is, is you're looking for what the story is that the data tells you. You don't need mm-hmm. to get, you know, down into the weeds so, so to the point that you, yes, I know well, this customer purchased this on this day and this is what they purchased. Right. This is how long, it, but telling the data as far as what it means to your business, what is that story is, hey, are customers mm-hmm. liking us in general? Are they not liking us? Why are they liking us? If they're not sitting there, not converting, what is that their motivation? I think piecing, now it's a lot easier to say that than to do it because you have to actually figure <laughs> right. out what that data means but i always think taking that step back and actually saying what does this what's the story that it's telling you and what does the data mean on a high level why do you care about it well, or whatever you're doing yeah and and something that's the tough part is even small companies are producing volumes and volumes of data they may not be aware of it but they're doing it i mean if you're a uh, uh, even small companies that are maybe highly transactional. What I mean by that is they sell, maybe you're selling products and you sell a lot of them. You have a high volume, uh, maybe they're not, they're not high dollar products, but they're high volume. You sell a huge quantity. On the opposite end, you know, you have high dollar products, not as large as volume. Maybe they take longer to assemble or go through a lot of QA or something. Um, but with having data in all these disparate places, it's tough to say, how do I consolidate it all first before I can even make sense of it? And so I touched on it a moment ago is about these data clouds, which are that's their primary purpose is say, hey, you got data all over, we'll help you consolidate it, make sense of it. So you have a sort of a single repository to say, okay, here's my data store, if you will, to go then make decisions from the data, visualize it and see what's going on. Um, now, again, that's something you'd have to review and look at to see, does it make sense for our size of a company to even tackle something like that? Otherwise, as we know, data is a, is a true asset resource now. It's it's not just, a, oh, it's nice to have, and we kind of re- reference it every once in a while. It's a true asset. I mean, there are companies that are actually insuring their data as a resource asset to make sure if it ever gets, you know, stolen, hacked, whatever, ransomware comes along, that they have some sort of store, uh, you know, of insurance in their business, but also it's backed up properly. Um, so a lot of, uh, unfortunately for a lot of small companies, they become the target of these ransomware attacks uh, because they realize that data is valuable in their mind to a, a different purpose than what your company finds value in. So it's very important to put security layers around, and, and I mean layers like multi-layer, not a single layer. Multiple layers have great um, segmentation of people who have access to certain kinds of data. Uh, and then uh, 
consolidating that data to make sense of it from a decision-making standpoint. Uh, so data consolidation, if you've got people internally that are technology savvy enough to do that, bring it all together to a data internal data warehouse or a warehouse in the cloud, mm-hmm. then do that. But there's tools available to help you do that if you don't. So a couple of routes you can go there. No, I think that is definitely some a good piece of, of advice. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody is grappling, you know, on the one hand, everybody wants to sell their, or they ever, first of all, everybody wants to be a SaaS business so they can get reacquired. Right. Exactly. And then everybody yeah. wants to be a data business and where our, mm-hmm. where our value is really in the data. And I think that mm-hmm. it's still kind of catching up to, we have lots of data. Now, what do we do with it? And, and figuring out well, the platforms and the ways to analyze it. And just to a side there, that SaaS model, I mean, I know the classic model has been, you know, like a per user per month subscription method style. Um, more and more, a lot of these uh, cloud, you know, as a service providers are having, are using what's called consumption-based pricing. So just to, something for aware for your listeners on uh, startups who are looking to explore some of these as a service uh, products out there. Uh, just be aware, some of them are consumption-based, which could work for you, meaning I only access it when I need it, you know, so therefore I'm getting charged for whatever time or volume or something that I'm doing. And then, you know, you could have peaks and valleys because maybe you're a seasonal type of company. You know, mm-hmm. you, you saw a lot in, the, in Q4 because of the holidays or summertime because you sell a lot of products geared for spring and summer, you know, type of thing. Um so you may have peaks and valleys, so your consumption model makes sense. Now that is tough uh, to kind of predict and forecast costing because you're not uh, aware of how much we're going to consume versus a sort of a standard, you know, per month type of subscription model. So just throwing that out when you're looking at these, uh, uh, quite a few of them are going this sort of consumption-based route. Interesting. No, I, on the one hand, I, I think on the consumer, I like that better on the business. If I could go back or stay at the old model and have people pay me, no you know, pay me a, a monthly amount. There is the, that's why I think everybody wants that they're enticed that, Hey, I want, cause everybody's hope is kind of like, you know, <laughs> they're going to sign up, they're going to subscribe, but then they're not going to use it again. We'll get the yeah. free revenue coming in and mm-hmm. we won't have to do anything. But I think that, I think that that is an unsustainable model for most of them. Like it may work mm-hmm. occasionally on Netflix. If you don't watch the movies for a month or two, you're probably just going to leave it going because it's relatively inexpensive enough and there's a high likelihood. But I think the other ones, Everybody wants to be that reoccurring revenue model, but they don't mm-hmm. necessarily, they can't always make it fit that model because they can't mm-hmm. provide enough re- reoccurring value that people are going to pay for that subscription. So I think that that is a great insight is an almost that consumption saying, hey, now if they're not consuming a lot, it ramps down. If they're consuming more, it ramps up and they can adjust mm-hmm. that and they can kind of move with their, that model is dynamic with them. So I think that's, that's a great idea and a good piece mm-hmm. of advice. One of the last questions, and there's always so many more things that I want to oh, I know. <laughs> I think we could talk all day. <laughs> and we probably have a good time and everybody like, yeah. oh, you guys have talked enough. No more rambling. But yeah. before we, I always have one flash question at the end, but before we dive to that, we'll hit on just one topic um, just for okay. a minute, which is a little bit more of getting involved with, you know, kind of the network community and your peers and your mentors around you to help you get different ideas and angles. And mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about kind of, because I'll back up. I know I just asked a question that I'm going to change the question, but 
you know, the, the problem is, is if you're like me and uh, if you're an engineer, you're an attorney, most or you're an introvert by nature and you don't want to get out and you don't want to be mm-hmm. there. And now I probably overcome that, overcome that, at least in some levels. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is that, you know, I don't need a network. I don't know how to network. And so maybe convince us of the reasons why we network, but also how you actually network. Sure. Uh, I actually take a multi pronged approach to networking. Uh, and uh, I'll give you a few examples of that. One, uh, I I am kind of an introvert, unbeknownst to a lot of people. Uh, I guess it just comes out as needed to be an extrovert. But uh, I think there's a new term for that, whether you're partially introvert and extrovert. But at any rate. Seems uh, like they're coming up with a new term every week. Uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, when it comes time to like in-person events, uh, I always go with a an, an intent in mind, meaning I'm going to learn XYZ about a product or a solution. I already have a some sort of application, but I want to learn it better, you know, hear from folks. Additionally, at in person, I always make it an intent to get down, say if there's is an expo floor, for example. Are there vendors I can chat with because maybe they have specific solutions for my industry that I'm in. Or, um, you know, like I'm, I do manufacturing or maybe I'm in supply chain or, uh, or maybe like you said, I'm, I'm creating SAS bottles, you know, what are other, uh, companies doing that I could roll in their, uh, product into mine to create my solution that I want to sell. Um, so go talk on the floor, but have intent. So now, you know, something in mind, you don't feel like at a loss for words because I have a plan. Hmm. Uh, and then. Uh, a lot of companies uh, or a lot of people, uh, I should say, have a plan around who they would like to meet, meaning their peers that are in their role. For example, I, you know, I do, uh, you know, I'm a, a clerk in finance or I do something in the warehouse or, you know, shipping, receiving or whatever. Um, or your decision maker and you want your you're VP of uh, you know operations or something. I want to meet my peers. However, I want to hear from them from all different levels of business. So be open to learning from not just SMB sort of size businesses, but on up the, the, the ladder, if you will. Hmm. Um, so that's in-person events. There's also digital events. And what I mean by that is not just your typical webinars. Uh, and I'll, so I like uh, here, get a little bit on the soapbox, but our Acceleration Economy Network, we do digital events quite often, mostly once a month, we started up this year. We just did one on the future office of the CFO. And it was the approach is totally different. Uh, Their interview style, they're conversational. So you feel at ease with who is talking. It typically it's somebody that's uh, either in a CFO or a VP of finance or a CEO that's talking about the impact of that role and what they could do. So while you're there though, a lot of these digital events have chats available. So there's another chance to say, I'm going to pop in and ask a question. You're, you're slightly bit anonymous at that point, not fully because you signed up and registered, but you can chat with others. So it allows you to explore how to connect with peers or, hey, I loved your comment that you had, or I love that insight. Could we have a, a side chat on, or can I connect with you on LinkedIn so we can you know, further the conversation? Mm. So those are you know two ways to do that. And others is to engage in comments on LinkedIn. So we talked about LinkedIn. You see a great piece or a post or an interview such as this podcast is out somewhere on LinkedIn. Put you listen, watch, read, whatever, but make a comment to to and then tag that person so they're notified. 
and then they can respond. And then you can have a dialogue through LinkedIn messages. So that's one way to kind of build your network around that personal communication, even though you're not face-to-face with somebody. Mm. Since we're all remote a lot nowadays. No, and I like that. And I, I, one of the things I take away or took away from that is I like the idea of coming into the conversation with the ability that you can add value. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's always coming in, well, I've got this great thing and you should buy it and give me money. And it's like, oh, great, mm-hmm. here's another pitch. And that's, I don't think right. that most of the time people tune are very, are very astute to, hey, they're just trying to get me to or sell. They could care less about me other than if I'm going to give them money. And I don't right. think that that adds that value, but, you know, I think if you can come in and give them a offering or service or connection or network or something, do your bit of your, well, you know, now if it's just on the fly and you're just, uh, you know, mingling and chatting with people, you can still right. come up with something. If you know it's an event that's for, you know, cybersecurity and you're saying, hey, you know, this mm-hmm. is something that, you know, cybersecurity, get, have something that is in your back pocket that you can offer that's actual value. Give you an example of what we've done recently and not to help or pitch us too much, but, you know, we have, we, my law firm does a DIY legal services and it's, you know, it's okay. kind of filling in the gap for being able to, you know, people that maybe can't afford an attorney, but need something better than nothing. And it kind of fills in that a reasonable level level kind of in between that so it's not such a big chasm but what we've also done is we put it as a white label service in other words it allows other people to integrate our similar service into theirs and actually get some profit sharing and some fees and other things that allow them to do that so now now when we reach out for as an example whether it's other law firms or it's you know marketers or sell or service providers and that that are always looking to expand their services increase their revenue it's not me pitching the service from hey white label you should give me money it's hey you know i see you're in this i we have some great you know great products that i think would allow you to increase your revenue and it doesn't cost you anything and we're just really here to help other businesses to be successful as we grow as well and i think it kind of shifts that a bit of that offering something as opposed to just pitching the service so that's my my slight yeah well yeah it it goes back to that intent you go in with an intent of some sort not to sell or if you're on the consumer side i want to go with an intent to ask certain kind of questions so you're ready to go versus feel like you're being sold to in other words uh and then if you're the person trying to sell so to speak speak the language of the customer meaning tell a story that's that of another customer that used something don't come in and say hey here's our our handout uh of some sort of flyer (laughs) info we got a demo here those are great and helpful as either a takeaway or a, yes, I'm really interested, but that should be after maybe that person comes with an intent with questions or starts the conversation. Uh, for you, be relatable to that person. Understand it's the stories that you tell are more, more likely to connect versus a product you're pitching. Yeah. And so, I agree. And, you know, even mm-hmm. taking that one step further, you know, when, when we've done it, this, you know, this is my, how I pitch, and mm-hmm. her pitch pitch sounds like I'm act- or doing the, the opposite, <laughs> you know, talking about, hey, I've been a law firm owner for a while and I get the grind of trying to always worrying about the revenue coming in and how do I do it? Where can mm-hmm. I increase it? How can I offer more value? And that, you know, almost relating it to your personal story and then say, here's kind of what I've done. And then I'm wanting to help others who are struggling with that same problem. And it's kind of what we're working on. And you almost draw them in with, oh yeah, I have had those same problems as opposed to, let me tell you how you can make more money in 30 seconds or less and they're like right right. yeah so yeah a lot of people are looking for those (laughs) in time short attention span generation that we're in and i'm talking all of us not talking 
old versus young or in between. Mm. It's just the society we're in. Little bits of information can be helpful and they can go a long way. Um, uh, you've heard of those listicles where it's like, you know, top five things about this. Those help because they're they're easier to remember, easier to relate to sometimes, but tell a story along with it. Don't, And then also it highlights your expertise around a certain area or yep. of whatever industry or whatever your company does. Um, if people understand that you're an expert at certain things and are ready to answer questions, they're more likely to come to you versus you trying to pull them in, uh, you know, pitch to them about what you do. Uh, because, oh, wow, this person really knows about X, Y, Z. So uh, I'm more likely to go and ask them questions and they can answer them. And then, oh, okay, let's set something up. Let's see what you can do or how we can collaborate or purchase or whatever. So I think that's uh, where I'd like to look at things from a connection point, telling the story. Right there with you. And I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we could go on all day and have lots of great conversations. Everybody else is going to (laughs) tune out and we'll be the only two left. But rather than do that, um, why don't we jump to the question I always ask at the end of each podcast, and it's always sure. kind of a good way to end the podcast because we talk about a lot of different things, and most of the time, if you're a listener, you're looking and saying, there's a lot of great things in there, and I'm overwhelmed, and I, I, I should be doing a whole bunch of things, but I don't know where to get started. So with that, the last question I always ask is, if you're talking to a startup or a small business, and they can only do one takeaway, one thing that they should get started on today that would impact their business, what would that one thing be? For me and what I would look at is, is quite frankly, just get educated. And I don't mean uh, I, I on how I'll frame that. I was chatting with somebody the other day on one of my podcasts, and uh, they uh, he is associated with a venture capital company, VC. And their approach is totally different. When startups are looking, they're, they feel like they're running around like mad trying to raise capital for their company instead of focusing on the idea of what they want to found their company on their approach is to say, Hey, let us handle that for you, raising the capital and and promoting your idea and so forth. So you can focus on your business and you're, you're building up what you need to do. What type of people do you know? The reason I'm, and I'm going to circle back is what I mean by get educated is know who you can rely on to help you with that, to jumpstart the business, but also get better educated around the premise of your idea. Uh, and what I mean by that is not get blinders on to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, but what are some other things that could potentially impact that from all different angles? Uh, so if you're trying to sell like a, like you said, uh, some sort of scrip- subscription model <laughs> uh, uh, of something, you know, how are you going to set that up to sell it? How are you going to do the recurring revenue? But peripherally, what could you do as a service to provide ongoing support for that? Um, is there different ways that you can lever, uh, I'll go out here on a tech limb. I saw an example where, um, uh, a company that makes shower heads and they sell a lot of these to commercials, so like hotels and so forth, commercial business. Um, and they wanted to have a, an ongoing sort of steady stream revenue. Well, they came up with the idea to help hotels with water conservation. So they have an IOT sensor in the shower heads to help sense how much water is being consumed through here. And so they can adjust you know, water flow and where it's being wasteful and so forth. So that became a recurring revenue for them outside of just selling the shower head. And that's the end of the transaction. Now they can have an ongoing relationship with the customer. So explore other areas, get educated about things that may seem 
outside of the realm of what your idea is or what you're trying to sell or create mm. to see if there's different ways to engage with your customers that can keep that long lasting relationship of them coming back to you versus, well, I sold something that, and one happy customer, hope we get more, <laughs> you know, you want that repeat uh, customer to come back. You want them to have uh, a word uh, and spread the word about you and your company out on social media. So it makes it go viral. Now, so, I think that's a great, or a great, uh, great takeaway is a part of recondense that back, which is get educated, but then there's <clears throat> the longer, longer version behind it, which I think is a, a lot of, of great words of advice. So mm-hmm. with that, as we wrap up, if people want to connect up to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Sure. Uh, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, be glad to connect with me there. That's where I first touch base. You can also find a lot of what I do out on accelerationeconomy.com, which is a lot of site where you'll find a lot of my content. Uh, and then uh, back at it podcast. So join me on listening on, on my end as I host uh, other folks. So, and I'm sure we can share out a lot of these links uh, with uh, this episode, but uh, that's where you can find me. I'm also on Twitter as well, too. All right. Well, plenty of good ways to connect and definitely encourage everybody to do so. So Mm. with that, appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Um, Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell or your own expertise to share, love to have you on the podcast. Just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Also, make sure to subscribe, like, and share the podcast so that we can make sure that everybody here gets to listen to these awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, anything else in the business, reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Just go to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Aaron, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. 